www.staggeringstories.net podcast series one number eight. Now with added Alistair. Uh, welcome to the latest Staggering Story podcast. Uh, this is series one, number eight, I believe. Mm, number yep. um, we're recording it before the Dalek Master Plan play Thingy Bobby, which means we could have been thrown out by now. Probably. Yeah. Forcibly yes. ejected. Yes. Um, I'm <laughs> Tony. I'm Andy. I'm Keith. No, you're fake, fake Keith. Keith. You're yeah. the fake real Keith. Keith. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm Adam. And uh, we have an intruder. Uh, special guest. Stranger. <clears throat> special guest. Oh, sorry. Why didn't my guns get him? What? What? <laughs> Yours matey guns. <laughs> Not working. Well, the piranha pool's being cleaned. Ah. <laughs> anyway, we have with us some, um, well, Doctor Who fans will know him, Blake Seven fans will know him, uh, it's the new voice of Zen himself. It's Mr. <laughs> Alistair Locke. Hello. Confirmed. He does that so well. <laughs> send shivers. It sends shivers <clears throat> down here. Yes, it did. Well, the uh, <laughs> check will be in the post. Right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Is the real Keith? You said that in a very Shatnerific way. Thank you. Uh, Where is <laughs> is we sent him Keith. to Brighton to go and pick up our guest. Oh yeah, who's here? Mm-hmm. And Keith's not. Never no. mind. He sent us a piece of seaweed. Oh, well, bless him. Uh, I've already got that one. <laughs> God. Um, help me. So we'll hopefully we'll get some sort of panicky phone call from Keith. A little bit later on. Hopefully. Ho- well, Hopefully. I don't know. You'll be taking it, or we'll get a postcard. <clears throat> Maybe one of those saucy seaside postcards. Ah. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about, I'm afraid, and wait for Adam to groan, is Doctor Who. Oh, oh bloody hell. <laughs> The name of the previous Devious Doctor, or indeed the first Devious Doctor, is... Patrick Troughton. The man with the rubber suit. What? 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 The man with the rubber suit. Right, okay, explain this. Um, Whilst we're recording, what is this thing you have about Patrick Troughton being in a rubber suit? The gimp mask, is it? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's what I heard on one of the previous podcasts. I mean, we were discussing, um, what was it? One of the... uh, Don't look at me. I don't know. I'm having nothing to do with this. And I definitely heard the the phrase rubber suit mentioned. Okay. Did we edit that bit out? Um, I don't think so. I don't... No, who mentioned rubber suit? If you have actually bothered to listen to any of our previous (laughs) podcasts, and you can remember any comments about rubber suits and Patrick Troughton, please email us. Well, you mentioned Dadrick and his um, rubber pyjamas. His green rubber pyjamas, yes. Green? They were green, weren't they, in places? (laughs) Which places? (laughs) I don't know. Under the arms. Moving on. Patrick Troughton, he was a very devious doctor. Would you agree? Discuss. Now, you haven't seen this, have you, Crumbly? No, I haven't. You haven't seen Two of the Cybermen, so once again we can say anything we, we like... Mm-hmm. He was sizest. He was sizest. He was sizest. Why was he sizest? It is a big one, isn't it, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why we're the... Well, like, look at the size of that thing, Doctor. Well, oh, that's a bad Scots accent. Beginning of the Two well, of the Cybermen when he asked Victoria to look at all those knobs. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 20 castles in the sky, Doctor. <laughs> that was That's just as bad. <laughs> I don't know. I think we could get working as a massively multiplayer online game as dwarfs. Dwarfs. It's, dwarfs. it's the law. In MMOs, any dwarven race has to speak with a really bad fake American Scottish accent. To a really bad accent. Yes. The Americans. I kind of change the laws of Fiddick. Physics. Fiddick. Physics. Physics. <laughs> this would be Glenn Fiddicks. Oh, God. You can't call them Devious second doctor. Yes. While I remember, because I was yeah. laughing too much all through the Tomb of the Cybermen, he, he was <laughs> very seventh doctory when he pressed the button to open the hatch when nobody else was looking. Are you sure the seventh doctor yeah. was very second doctory during his last two seasons? Well, I saw the seventh doctor before I saw the second doctor. <gasps> I touched the microphone. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> Sorry. You're leaving three more and she's out. Oh, no. <laughs> so. From my point of view, he was very Seventh Doctory, and he's a Time Lord, so how do we know the Seventh Doctor didn't do it first? <laughs> that really made sense in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie, and you had to sort of transfer it to your mouth. My mouth, yeah. yeah I won't do it again. Sorry. <laughs> good, good. 
So let's get back into this now. Yeah. You were talking about Clive Merrison and his really dodgy accent. Well, yeah. Was he the Yank? One of them. Uh, kind of. I think he was half American, half Pakistani or something. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere from around him, the world. Right. He makes a superb Sherlock Holmes. I've only heard a couple of those, but... Uh, He's supposed to be one of the, defini- one of the definitive Sherlock Holmeses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Along the with Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone is not Sherlock Holmes. Oh, dear me. He's not terrible Sherlock Basil Rathbone. Can I just check? I'm thinking of the right person. Was he the baddie? No. No, no. Was he the captain? He's the guy that got no. shot or his arm got beat up or something. I'm <clears> totally <throat> thinking of the wrong person. I think he was like the second in command, wasn't he, yeah, of the spaceship. Yeah, yeah. The mysterious spaceship, which we never actually saw... Strange, yeah, you know. terrible. Because the um, the baddie who may as well have had a f- what's he called the um, hooded claw cloak to throw round himself. You mean Eric Klieg? That's the yes, one. Klieg. Klieg. I thought that was Art Malik, but then Keith pointed out that he probably hadn't been born yet, so yeah, probably wasn't. <laughs> I thought it was a very uh, whilst it was a little bit hammy. It was, it was I don't know. I thought it was a damn fine little twosome. Oh, there. I don't know. Him he, and Betty Cafton. He may as well have twiddled <laughs> his moustache and gone. Was he had no hairs to twiddle? That's a good point, that. He could have <laughs> this could explain why he was really, really uh, frustrated. Down there, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Alistair's having his own fun. Oh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> it's frightening. <laughs> oh, dear. So, you have a problem with Clive Merrison and his accents from around the world. Yeah, but at least I like the way that um, the old cyber salute was brought back by him in... Uh, uh, yes, yes, in Paradise it? Towers. Paradise Towers, yeah. yeah exactly. The, the, the exact the the same cyber, cyber, cyber salute. That's, cyber salute. That's something salute. you send your washing down. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes it is. Wah, wah. <laughs> uh, bad jokes are us. And there'll be a repeat of that later on. Oh, no. We can edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, only for large sums of money. <laughs> Talking of our accents and things and voices. Yeah. The Cybermen voices. Oh, Italian. Mm. Italian Cybermen. <laughs> what? Did you notice Italian. the end of every sentence? Um, think of a sentence. But no one, we'll go they... over here. We right. uh, will go uh, over here. It was Italian. So these are the allo allo Cybermen. <laughs> they certainly were, yeah. <laughs> Did you notice, while well, I remember, because I pointed it out to myself when I was watching it, um, you know someone went mad with the Cyberman stencil all over the uh, scenery? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that a Cyberman head... Yes. The cheek bits yes. is two happy faces joined together. Well, they're facing each other. Yeah, to mm. make one angry Cyberman face. Oh, oh. I didn't notice that. Mm. It's like what they used on the cover of uh, The Division Bell by Pink Floyd. Okay, lost me. <laughs> <laughs> two faces facing each other to make a whole one. Still lost me, but yes, that's right. the same sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Right, a moment's silence whilst we each try and picture this in our heads. Then again, sub that. Um, <laughs> it's like the old adage when you look at a black and white picture do you see two faces or a vase? Are we going to mention the wires? Oh, the wires. The wires. The wires. The wires. Dodgy eyes, I didn't see the wires. Didn't see the oh, wires. you are their the target wires. audience, aren't they? Oh, man. See, I, I, I haven't was... seen the tube, to seen two with the Cyberman since it 92. was rediscovered yeah, yeah. and it was shown at the. Too much? Where, where was it shown? National Film Theatre. It, it was shown at the BAFTA. Something Center, like that, yeah. 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 The wax organised event thing in your office. And I that? haven't seen it since. 92, I think. 92, I think it was 92. Yeah, the, 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 you see, the Way history, for those who don't know, because we do have some people who don't know much about Doctor Who. Me. You do, <laughs> you just try and hide it. <laughs> um, Toon got, uh, well, sold off overseas, and then they jumped the original recordings of it or something like that, didn't they? Yeah. And everybody thought, oh, God, that's it, we'll never hear of it again. And there was a Jerry Davis novelisation with the wrong Sidemen on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, and right. dodgy soundtracks being passed around fandom that people could listen to, I think. Probably. And this is where they got the... Uh, well, they had the... Per- the Pertry uh, narrated it, didn't they? They, they got the soundtrack and Pertry right. narrated it be- just before... It got returned. It got found in Hong Kong. Give me damn thought of Cyberman. You've heard speak Pertwee. Yes, I often wondered why he never got to meet them. Not properly. Sinister soulless creatures. Oh, for regular listeners, the head of Pertwee is gazing down upon us. Yep. Benevolently. Benevolently, yep. I think he's getting a bit fed up being referred to Pope Prodited. Prodigy. Prodigy. So they ended up being returned, and Hong Kong. A myth it? had built up about two of the Cybermen. A myth. A myth. Oh, a proper myth. A myth. A yes, myth. that it was <laughs> one of the greatest Doctor Who stories ever, 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 ever. Ever. And it wasn't. It's, it's very, very bad. good, 
but it it wasn't quite as good as people were making it out. Some of the old guard of fandom were sort of, oh, Tubular Cybermen, that's like the, 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 the perfect example of Doctor Who. And it wasn't quite that as good as that. It's the old thing, like the Unquiet Dead from uh, the new series. Everybody, everybody raves about it. Oh, instant classic. No, it's very, very good, but it's the greatest hits, essentially. Uh, I Hands know. up who I think disagrees it's... with Tony. Yeah. Nah, nobody. But Lots of hands go up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one can know it's radio. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's basically it. It got returned in, what, 92 to stop the Pertwee thing being released, and about a year later they released it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they released the Pertwee tape. thing. They released it released out on video. You make it sound like some sort of horrible hybrid Pertwee thing. I don't know what Adam's experimenting on. They released it onto video straight away, practically. And then about a year or so later, they then released the soundtrack with Pertwee's narration. So, yeah, there must have been fan soundtracks going around uh, before it got returned for people to listen to. And so, like I say, this myth built up about it. Uh, One of the things that you got to see, I think, in episode three, episode four, were the strings on the Cyberman. When he gets lifted up by Toberman. Oh, yeah. Oh, the really, really, really bad He walks out shot wires. fighting and comes back in with a mannequin above yeah. his head. Yeah. That's about where, about where I started laughing, and so I missed oh, most dear. of the rest of it. Poor cyber controller dummy gets thrown across the control room. And his, his head, head comes off. Off. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. And then he gets up. Fine. Yeah. Head Looking not chunkier. It's, I, mean, I was going to. Well, no, not as chunky as he looked in Attack of the Cybermen. That was just. He looked very a chunky. lot chunkier. I didn't realise that was the same guy. Yes, it I is. I was very impressed. Talk about Tobman, though. I, 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 I almost. Sorry, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you there. <laughs> sort of ruining myths. I seem to remember a signing that we did, um, oh, years ago, at Cafe Munchen, as it was. Oh, good grief. You were uh, in Salvador. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I managed to tell some child that Father Christmas didn't exist. Yes, I was there. So you shattered all, his, all of his illusions. No, it was there at that signing session where um, I, we, we, hated I parked at the end of the session when I was too tired to continue. I'd always park the thing just outside under a security camera, and um, <laughs> a guy came through and said, um, "Someone's nicked your eyeball." <laughs> no, surely not. They would have noticed. Ah, I went through, and sure enough, someone had made off with my with my, with my Dalek eyeball. Bloody hell! Oh, oh, great, fabulous! And there's the security camera aimed right down at my Dalek. Hmm. You Didn't know, and the, the monitors so. there in the bar. And then later on, some other guy came. It and was said, John Free. Um, you've somebody's nicked your um your 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 lights. And I, I thought, <laughs> no, he must be in the eyeball. And sure enough. <laughs> Uh, Why am I, mean, I laughing? I, all I could imagine is that somewhere in some deep part of deepest England, there was this sad fan in his inner sanctum, walls considerably smaller than when the room was built because it's encrusted with Doctor <laughs> Who posters. Yeah. And the centrepiece of the, his uh, one-man exhibition is the Dalek eyeball with Sound a candle eyeball. coming out of it, decked on either side. With the two the lamps two. from, from right. Salvador. So, I mean, I just have this hey, mental huh? image of um, the dollar being left up on bricks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he wasn't silly enough to park it and crawl in. No, right. I was going to say, um, yes. you talk about Tobman. Yes. We should probably bring up the, uh, the dreadful racism and uh, oh, totally. sexism in this programme. Sexism, definitely. Very much, uh, oh. well, I always go on about context, about when something was made and shown. Uh, at the beginning, with um, the exhibition yomping across the quarry. Which they tried to mimic. Up to a certain point with Earthshock. Well, yes, okay. But anyway, you had Toberman, who's mm. the yep. uh, pre-runner for Teal'c. Lots of tight trousers, big muscles, know. that sort of thing. The Toberman. The black slave. That's basically. in that short-running yeah. science fiction programme, Stargate. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. I thought you said Toberone. Toberone. <laughs> Toberone. <laughs> yeah. It was oh, very much like Great British Hunters off to Africa. You know, send yeah. the black guy up front yeah. just in mm. case anything wants to kill him. Mm, cannon yes. fodder. Yeah. 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 It did seem like that, in all fairness. <laughs> As for the sexism, oh. And the Toblerone. Yes, the dear, you tell us. It, by the end of it, I wanted to slap Victoria against a wall. <laughs> she was a product of her time. Oh, she was a product yeah. Victorian girl. Yeah. Sure, I thought they were adventurous. But Papa. Sorry, sorry, what? Hang on. Victoria was sexist? 
Or... No, 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 no. <laughs> they were all being sexist, sexist towards her. To her. Yeah. She right. did nothing about it. No, she just... No. Oh, she enjoyed so it. so hard being a woman. And then one of them actually said, how would you know, you know? <laughs> she a bloke. <laughs> so how was your blood pressure at the oh, end? Oh, well, no, by that time I was too busy laughing about the dummy, so you know, <laughs> I can't get over it. Yeah, Jamie strategically placed the dummy to Make sort of it. abolish Make any feelings of in sexist oh. outrage you oh, may yeah, have. totally. <laughs> Cybermats. Anybody got anything oh, to say about the Oh, they cyber- They look like shaved doogles. The little baby ones. <laughs> oh, shaved doogles. They were so sweet. They eat they, sugar cubes? That- I don't know. They never, they're never offered. They always they're remind me of those little bag for dust buster things. Little the bigger hand. ones do, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah why the the thing sides? is, this actually, we, we, we keep on about Pertwee being a violent hooligan. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. I'm not so. So I think Troughton was pretty nasty in this. We he had was, no actually. proof whatsoever that these Cybermats could hurt people. Mm. And as soon as these cute little things turn up, he arranges a mass slaughter of them. Yeah. But did you, the um, whole Cybermats um, circling the room and cornering them? I mean, crikey, <laughs> you may as well have been hiding from earwigs. Why did one of them not try to stamp on them? Yeah. These Just things are like four away, inches long, and they're all going, oh no, quick! Back away, back away, don't let them touch you. Pick well, them up, take the double A batteries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's simple. <laughs> and I liked the attempt at the snail race at the end when all the Cybermen put down their individual Cyber mats on the floor. <laughs> Go on, Bert, you can do it. Go on, <laughs> Bert, Fritz got it on me. Oh, they play some bet. Well, I was. Place yeah. your bet right. now. <laughs> yes. now. What was that noise the Cybermen made? Was it a giggle? It was, was it? Was yeah, it? Yeah, it was Mr. Punch, wasn't it? The Punch and Judy show. <laughs> I, I believe it. <laughs> trying to be technical here. I believe it was some form... Of speech impediment helping it, 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 it was a device, it was a vibrating. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid the word. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a device that vibrated, and basically, it was for cancer victims who had had to have their That's larynx. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. The reason I'm so fluent yeah. on this is because I was watching a documentary uh, that Jerry Anderson used the same technique for, um, oh, what's that robot in? in Five Robbie, was like something like that? No, mm. hang on a second. Um, the, 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 Robbie the Robot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Can I hold, sing the theme tune? <clears throat> they would hold it no. up against their um, their, yeah. their uh, throat. <laughs> That's the thing. And talk, and it would articulate their words for them. Ah, yeah. that's yeah. what it was. See, I always thought it was actually yeah. something they put it in, actually put in the mouth. No, no, it was... And sort of they just formed the, 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 the sounds around it. Well, you're thinking of Punch and Judy. The question is, how is it added? Uh, I mean, they call it a swazzle. Swazzle. Swazzle, yeah. Yet again, a font of amazing information. <laughs> you astound me, Crumbly. Frequently. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say it's not much. Can't be asked. <laughs> All right. But it's... So how come these nice Cybermen were like grumpy old men and mumbled between their sentences, whereas... If you'd Earth have been shock. locked up in a tiny underground cavern, bloody cold, <laughs> yeah, without a cardigan, <laughs> without a cardigan, <laughs> for years and years and years, just because your head honcho had said, I'll tell you what, let's set a trap for the humans, this could be funny, so we'll put lots of pictures of our relatives up around the walls, right, then we'll go underground, we'll hide without cardigans, all right, we'll see what happens. You'd be bloody pissed off as well. He said... Bloody. Is that allowed? Oh, Come on, Mrs. Whitehouse, yeah, is that yes, allowed? I guess, I guess. Okay. All right. Oh, they can get away with that on Harry Potter. We're okay. Okay. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, does enough. that explain that? But. These emotionless but, Cybermen were annoyed. at my leg. The Earthshock Cybermen didn't mumble and they had to put up with Adric for like four episodes. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but Adric died yeah, at the end of a death. Well. <laughs> I mean, it like, went some way to Could compensate. It? Yeah, that's hilarious. Could a bit more pain in there, maybe. Or... Mm. Yeah, drag it out a bit more. Yeah. Mm. You people are sick. You are sick know. people. But he had the keyboard of death to. Yes. <laughs> the keyboard of death. The keyboard of yeah, death. He was he was typing in the death. final codes and he knew it was going to blow up. Yeah, the Derek Acora <laughs> moment. Sure, so what's that, Sam? I, I, it's it's going to. Exp- why am I doing the hand gestures? It's, your, <laughs> it's on audio. On radio. <laughs> why am I? <laughs> we can hear it in your voice. Yeah. Uh, hear what you're doing. I can see it in my mind. Mm. Oh, Mary loves Dick. <laughs> you are obsessed with Derek Okora and his utterances, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to make a little listing of what Crumbly is obsessed with. Don't think that's. Uh, I, I think there's an article no. for the site here. Some of the words you're not allowed to say, such yeah. as. Some of the words I don't know how to, to spell. I don't even know what they mean, the things he comes out with. <laughs> you can say bloody. 
You yeah. can't yeah. say yes. yes. I, I remember when I was uh, when I when I was working in the Salisbury Odeon in 1977 uh, as a usher. And um, we were showing Candleshoe, a Disney film with Jodie Foster, who I've always been a fan of, and Leo McKern, and um, and David Niven was also in it. And and there's this some sort of scam where they need to get into this house to try and discover this treasure that they believe is there. And um, Leo McKern gets home at the end of the day, and the woman who's his sidekick asks him, you know, did they go for it? And he says. He, they bloody did. <laughs> and this uh, a, 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 a patron uh, woman came up to to me, child in tow, tow and said, um, "This is a U certificate, isn't it?" It's a Disney <laughs> film, yes, madam. Uh, well, it's funny you say that. I mean, I, I know we're branching off here, but they're, they're um, <laughs> running TV adverts for a film called Saw Four or Saw uh, Three. Posters on the side of buses. Mm. Yeah, it interests me that. A few all those years back, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the band film, the video nasty, this, that, and the other. Yeah. But if you actually look at some of the films they've got coming out nowadays, they're a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing how I was going to say not so much taste boundaries change, mm. but is it a good thing? Well, is it a bad thing? Is this too serious yeah. a subject for us? Well. If boundaries didn't change, I wouldn't be allowed to vote, so it's a good thing. <laughs> You're not Should, allowed to vote, yeah. dear. You're a woman. I don't think it's a good idea. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, devious Dr. Charon's doctor was very, very devious. I'm not... Yeah, maybe. Uh, oh, you don't want to do that? I'll just do that whilst they're not looking. Oh, and you don't want to do that? Um, <clears throat> look over there. I'll just do that as well. I'm doing more hand gestures. Why um, Why did he do that? You knew I the sidemen were there. I don't know. I, I think it was curiosity. I've decided to play devil's advocate. He wasn't being devious. He just really, really wanted to see what was down there. So he pressed the right button. Mad. And can I... You're, you're clever, Adam. You're, you're <laughs> no. smart. No, no, no. They... Had loads of ro- rows of levers to open up the actual tomb. Yeah. And they Not were talking gates, about them being based on logic. Yeah. And I think the line was, oh, of course, it's the square of the integer divided by five, which will release the binary block. You sad fangirl. Is that yeah. bollocks or is that real maths? <laughs> the former. Ooh, is bollocks oh. too much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, 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 Mr. Mary Whitehouse, Mary Whitehouse <laughs> is sat over there, aren't you, Adam? <laughs> uh, Adam keeps track on our swearing. Yeah. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> okay. So, actually right. can play. If you're going to use that noise, come up with a better noise. <laughs> <laughs> so was that proper maths, or did Kit Peddler just get his big book of maths words and make stuff up? It's a Jip and Payne Baker book of maths. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay, Baker. that's my whole O-level down the pan. <laughs> you have an O-level? You have an O-level. <laughs> no. no, that's just it. I got you an O-level maths. Yes, He's got anology. <laughs> I, got, I, got, got I got two O-levels. I got grade A English language. Yeah, so did I. And I, and I got grade C economics, bizarrely. You did economics? But, yeah. Mm. You were in the Home economics. Yeah. No, no, proper <laughs> economics. I learnt about unemployment and inflation that's and quite stuff. handy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you all. <laughs> In which case, you can tell us about fifty pound. Fifty ah, pound man the... opens the doors. Yes, well, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's fairly obvious in the future. Ah, revalu- revaluation. Revaluation. Um, we've gone through the euro. We've gone through the dollar pound. Yeah. And basically, it's all come back to the pound again. Fifty pound to buy you a car. And she, she didn't say it's necessarily money. Could ah, be fifty pound of chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Open the door for that. Or cheese. Fifty pound of Turkish delight. Yeah. Betty Cafton was just amazing. I like the name. Betty Cafton. 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 Cleeg, Cafton and Toberman. They might have been the bad guys. If you haven't been watched it before, they might not have been the bad guys. (coughs) Oh, they were the bad guys. Oh, all right then. It's the way they kept doing asides to each other, you know, as if the people three feet away couldn't hear what they were saying. (laughs) (laughs) What I love is right at the end, uh, sort of everybody's died. It's Doctor Who. It's it's a yeah. case of Charlton's there, sort of talking to Professor Parry, and it's a case of um, I know, I know, it's 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 a terrible thing, and why the hell didn't Parry punch him out? Yeah, you turned up. <laughs> look what happened. Speaking of people dying, um, <laughs> the guy who initially touched the door got electrocuted dead. Yes, they yes. carried him back to the spaceship for a proper decent burial. Yes, old Tobermory or whatever his name was, <laughs> yes. they left him to rot. 
They didn't bother carrying him back at the end. He is half robotic by that point, anyway. So. Well, just because one of his hands had gone a bit silver. <laughs> so we've got sexism, robotism. 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 A bit of racism. Robophobia. A bit of racism, sexism. yes. Yeah. Well, going back to the that, the doctor. Yes. His really evil ways. Yes. His cloak, his mysterious Hartnell cloak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There he goes. He resets the... Uh, the electricity on the door. So yes. the next poor sod die. will die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. He's a murdering git, that doctor. He is. He is a bit, yeah. yeah. He sets him up, he knocks him down. My favourite of... bit of the whole thing, though, was um, when they were trying to work out where the gun was coming from to shoot the model Cybermen. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, the doctor set it all up again and says, right, this could be very dangerous. Anyone who doesn't want to be here should leave now. And Jamie turns to walk out. Not you, Jamie. Like, oh, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, he says what? He's Freak Keith? He said, oh dear. <laughs> oh, botheration. Oh, nuts. Uh, is that bad as well? No, no. Okay, no, nuts. <laughs> all right, so I've got to somehow do something with what you've just said. Okay. Well, I said yeah. it very quietly. Uh, uh, <laughs> Can you put an asterisk <laughs> after the F? <laughs> what I'll do is I will record. I will put in our insult. 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 I can't read tell it. Tell what. If I say spac, you can put that in instead. Yes. All right. Yes. Spac <laughs> is a good word. We, we, and croc. Croc is another one. And drock. Drock. Yeah, you can have drock if okay. you like. <laughs> Robophobia. Interesting. Because that leads us very nicely through to things like Kaldor City oh. and the mm. like. And, <clears throat> I mean, you could say that Tomb of the Cybermen was, to a certain extent, well, one of the, what's the word, archetypal? Precursor. Of, uh, precursors, uh, yeah, of, of something like Robots of Death. Yes. All trapped on a little, tiny little place, and they're all being murdered. Planet. <laughs> yes. Well, no, they were trapped <laughs> in a sand miner. But we'll be going on to Robots of Death next time, or will we? You need to sort of move on. I'm going to interview Alistair. Oh, oh no! Hello! <laughs> Hello, Alistair. Hello! Do you like chips? Yes! Great, <laughs> <laughs> <Eat> that duck. <laughs> okay, okay, I can only do this when I'm not laughing. I, the three voices, that was one of the three voices. I mean, that was one of many voices, but I mean... <laughs> um, three voices yes. at the same time. Oh. Okay, so mm-hmm. this is voice number one. Okay, and then um, I might not be able to. You get uh, two voices, so you get. You see, I'm, my mouth is a bit dry. And then the frightening thing is that you get uh, finally three voices all together. Oh, that's just freaky. That's not right. <laughs> that really is not right. <laughs> I'm impressed by that. My God, no wonder you've gotten in the sound world. I mean, <laughs> sod having to put anything through any sort of equipment. He's there. <laughs> Can you sing in that voice? I'm trying to think of what the blog note for this is going to be. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Alistair, yeah. you've done all sorts of sound stuff and music stuff. Um, what do you consider stuff. yourself mainly? Musician, composer, or oh. sound editor? Well, originally, uh, <laughs> I wanted else, to yes. be an actor, and I couldn't face uh, all those years of being unemployed, being mm. between parts, although that's sometimes <laughs> a nice position to be in. Um, <laughs> uh, but So I, I kind of ended up sort of doing post-production, mm-hmm. and uh, another thing I never thought I'd end up doing was music because I had piano lessons when I was a kid. I was taught by a complete psychopath. Aren't all piano teachers <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I've met a few nice ones, but they never taught me, so who knows what went on behind closed doors. But anyway, this particular <laughs> psychopath, he looked like an old, sinister Frank Spencer. He even had the berry <laughs> and the match. Do you remember him? Yes. yes. Mr. Riley, that was it. Yes, he's dead. Can now, we? So I, I was going to say, can we actually <laughs> mention his name? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would. I would. Uh, I would be nervously playing what I'd supposedly be practicing that week, and inevitably, yeah. as an eleven or twelve-year-old, I would make a mistake, and he would look down at me crossly, and I would look up at him nervously, and then I'd continue playing. Then I'd make my second mistake, and he would look at me even angrier. And then I would make my third and final mistake. And he would grab my tiny little 12-year-old wrists and hurl them in the direction of the keys. What? You were 11 just now. I, I was taught for a year. Um, and then 
he, so he threw my keys, uh, hands in the direction of the keyboard, saying, "No, it's supposed to be like this." And of course, I would be making this horrendous racket because my 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 hands had become claws because of the pressure he was applying to my wrist. Yeah, and I can remember my knuckles banging against the black keys oh. and hurting. So I I pleaded with my parents, who were very disappointed. You know, please, I don't want to play any. I don't want to learn piano now. So I gave up, and I thought that was the end of it. But in 1975, the year that Genesis of the Daleks came out, <laughs> uh, my dad brought home from work a record of music arranged and performed by a guy that people will go, oh, yes, or who? Isaiah Tamita. Who? 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 There you go. Who? <laughs> well, that's my brother. He was sitting next to me when I heard the record, so he's bound Would you like one more of us to say, oh, yes, just to make it... Oh, go on. Come you can multi-track say, oh, yes, it. Oh, yes. There we go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. And this, this, this was a record of music by Debussy, and it was called Snowflakes Are Dancing, yes. hmm. and it was the most incredible electronic music I had ever heard. Hmm. Because at that time, most pop records were sort of a bit buzzy and burpy if they were using synthesizers. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know my chronology. I don't know when groups like um, Tangerine Dream came out and started producing that more sort of trancey, you know... Mm, mid-70s. Dreamy stuff. But anyway, Not so this was uh, a complete revolu- re- revelation for me, and I thought, wow, this is, you know... So when I went to college in 1977, I blew most of my grant on a synthesizer. <laughs> a Korg 770. Who's only <laughs> which is a, which the distinction of um, being the... the um, oh, God, what was the group? Human League had one. Oh, right, yes. Yes, and in 1997, uh, it died the day after I used it to recreate the nesting sphere warble when I was doing the first of the Auton videos. Mm. That's sad. My dad tried to fix it unsuccessfully, so... Lots of angry staring at it. Where did that come from? Where was that leading to? (laughs) Uh, That was just a, let's find out a little bit about you. Like we're going to actually lead somewhere. (laughs) I'm sorry, it almost makes us sound professional. (laughs) (laughs) Poor fool, he will learn. (laughs) You started off doing stuff yourself, basically. Oh, well, yeah. Self-taught, you mentioned. My my dad worked at Boscombe Down, the the, the RAF place. Right. NAE aircraft and something experimental. I thought you were going to say an aircraft hangar. I don't know what the initials stand for now. Various letters. In the mists of right. time. <laughs> One of, I mean, he, he was, he, he developed, um, I was going to say software, but hardware and all sorts of stuff. And he also maintained uh, kit. And so um, he would bring home occasionally tape recorders. And of course he had a tape recorder anyway, but he'd let me play with it. Fair and, enough. Um, so I was able to sort of discover for myself you know, what my voice sounded like when it was speeded up, when it was slowed down, oh, yeah. and if I mm-hmm. flipped the tape upside down and played it backwards, and then how to... I, I can't remember how I did it, how how I would be able to sort of record something from one track of the tape recorder to another and painfully build up echoes. And I and I, th- I remember <laughs> once trying to see how far I could go with this and building up just so many echoes until it was actually creating a reverb effect because it was so dense and so on. Do so, you had the um, chance to actually experiment for yourself on stuff yeah. like this. And then uh, I met a friend of mine um, when we were 12, Steve Allen. Who, uh, um, yes. Yes, who you know. I know Steve Allen. Well, sort of in passing, sort of, hello, hello. Yeah. And we both um, sort of walked past going, who was that? I didn't know anyone else in the school that was interested in sort of writing and performing sketches. Mm. So we, we wrote and performed sketches, seeing as that's what we'd just written. Yes. So it made sense. And we've had the advantage of, of running sound effects into the multi uh, No, it wasn't a multi-track, into the uh, machine, because my dad made up a lead so that we could take it from the back of a cassette recorder into the tape recorder, so you get a proper... Your, sounds like, your dad sounds like a real good old-fashioned boffin. Well, yeah, yes. yes. And he, 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 yes, and he, he made in, me little light boxes and all sorts of things Brilliant. that had flashing light sequences, for, for um, which later ended up in our um, Davros chair that we built at one point. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of where my interest in in all of that kind of came Thank from. You. And you just kept working at it. I and... kept working at it. Although I wanted to, I, I had fantasies of being an actor and being a director and so forth. So I went to, you have done that as well, though. College, you? Sorry, but you've done that as well. I mean, you've got all these different strings to your bow. Well, this is true. My sampled bow. Yes. <laughs> oh God, that's bad. <laughs> I went to I went to college. Did photography. Uh, this is at Salisbury. They had um, a photography department 
there and they had a small cine department yeah so you could make short make sure you don't waste film um <laughs> 16 mil films teachers um, have really impressed themselves on you haven't they over the years <laughs> i applied after i left to all the bbc um stations and uh, applied to itv and all the rest of it and eventually got an interview and, yeah um yeah with, with the bbc in um bristol and the interview was going swimmingly well until they brought out the dreaded book that has the um charts in you know the, the color charts with the numbers hidden in them do you know the oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Color blindness yes. Tests, Colorblind, yeah. Yes. that's right yes and i started sort of either not seeing numbers or seeing the wrong numbers and they mm. said oh uh, mr lock you realize that you're colorblind i said is that important as well uh, rather um colored wires that could be the only thing i'm I thinking thought, well, about yeah, I thought, well, yeah. couldn't i be a projectionist because i by that time i'd also started being a, a being a part-time projectionist mm. at the local um flea pit which is now no longer so yeah that that was that was a sort of career choice closed to to, to mm. me at least at the time so i i sort of did a couple of sort of dead-end jobs i mm. became a full-time projectionist not that that was a dead-end job i quite enjoyed it and you then, got to see some films well, this is true <laughs> many times Um, (laughs) but then in 1986 I built a Dalek this would be Salvador wouldn't it that would be Salvador yes sorry the bad pun oh I think it's a good one that and Clementine Uh, yes that's that's a really good one that one People, people can get Salvador. You've got to explain Clementine to them. Yeah, you have to work that one through. Mm. for people that don't know Clementine uh, sorry Salvador is the shiny metallic blue that's the one it's the one that invades the TARDIS in the extended version of 30 years in the tar- the uh, the tar- mm. or, yes. yes, and it's the the blue one on the end of that poster of all the Daleks on yeah. Westminster. Uh, also, Bridge. I think featured with poetry on a, a biography. Oh yeah, that's right, on, on his biography. Yes, yes. So um, <laughs> quite a famous Dalek, in all fairness. I suppose. And plus, people are used to you turning up at signings and the like, and being incredibly humorous. Oh bless you! You, you, well, you are you're incredibly humorous. <laughs> it, it, it's just it's I had a going someone's Dalek at the weekend. It was at, um, I'd never been TV, in a Dalek, which is quite fun. I've never been in a Dalek at all. I think I'd need, I, I think I'd need a film, a movie one to fit into, to be honest with you. Emperor. Oh, indeed, an emperor. Yes, thank you. You just want to see me in a little bottle hanging from somewhere, don't you? <laughs> Audio visuals. Let's go in the middle 80s. Yes. Heading well, back onto the sound side of things, sound and music and acting, I'm presuming. Mm-hmm. How on earth did you get involved in anything like that? I mean, your Gary Russells, your Nick oh. Briggs and people. <laughs> That's a very generous description. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how that came about was um, I'd been noodling around with sort of tape machines and we'd done sketches and so forth. And um, my dad bought me a four-track cassette recorder. All right. Yes. Uh, bless. And it, it, it only ran at single speed because there were your sort of proper Tascam machines that ran at twice normal speed, so you could get a better quality mm. recording. Yeah. Um, this was the Yamaha thing. And um, as I say, it could only run on one one speed. I could do something with it, but I didn't have anything to do. And then, uh, because I was going to conventions and taking Salvador along to conventions and meeting people and so forth, and one of the people I met was a guy called Daniel Cohen, who had ran four, as I remember, very well-run conventions called uh, Honeycomb. Honeycomb and Leisure Hive, I think. Yeah. Well, the Leisure Hive was the name of, I don't know whether... Oh, all right. Oh, were they individually named? Oh, I can't remember because it's before my time. And he let me a tape. We were talking about this earlier, in fact. The, the tape, a magazine tape that somebody yes. produced. And, uh, somebody Hayes or Hayes somebody, I can't remember, was one of the... Sonic, I'm they, sure it's something like Sonic something or other. Sonic Waves. That's it. But I can't remember the name of the yeah. guy that did it. On this particular tape was an interview that they had done with these guys that were doing these Doctor Who stories. And I think the the sort of big thing about it was that they got Michael Wisher involved in a Dalek mm-hmm. story that they'd yes. done. And I listened to this and it sounded incredible. A that you know, it sounded incredible in its own right. And B, I think there are other people out there who have <laughs> my interests <laughs> you know, in tape recorders, he said, stressing the point. Anyway, so that gave me the sort of impetus to get on and write and record this yep. this play idea that I had in my head just to see whether I could do it. So I wrote these two uh, plays. I'd, I'd finished the, the, the first one and then met up with uh, a guy that I still work with uh, now, Alan Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and little um, Alan. <laughs> we were, it was at a Blake 7 convention that I met up with um, Gary Russell mm-hmm. and I gave him this tape of this play, What I Done, What I Wrote, and so uh, I said, and I'd love to, you know, work with you in some way on these these tapes because you know I do sort of similar yep. thing. A couple of days later, 
Nick Briggs, you know, rang me to say that he'd listened to it and thought it was rather good. He said, well, we'll give it five minutes and if it's no good, we'll, you know. But um, so that's how I got involved with the audio visuals initially. And that sort of, well, that's, that's blossomed because you did two of your own plays, didn't you? I did, uh, I did, I did uh, another play. The, the first play that I gave to Gary Russell all those years ago was a play called Takeover Bid, set on a moon base, run by uh, a guy that had accidentally been promoted from a janitor to being the commander of the moon base um, just before it was sort of invaded by these people. That's unheard of. Had, as far as they were concerned, won the planet Earth. And then the other play was when at the end of the first play, the, the villains are vanquished yes. and sent off into outer space. Yes. And I thought, let's see what, hang on, what happens to the baddies? Afterwards. So in the second play, mm-hmm. the baddies became the good guys. Because it was all about what happened to them. Yes, you know, Nick played a couple of parts, and his then uh, partner Heather uh, Heather Barco, who's now Heather Tracy, she she played a character that I'd played in the first one, um, <laughs> and, uh, and a new character that uh, was beyond my scope. Okay. Now, hopefully, we're going to now. Hopefully, we're going to have these plays up on the website for you to listen to. Well, yeah. I mean, take over the yeah, planet without a home. I think was the second t- t- one. Yeah, Takeover Planet, uh, Takeover Bid was the first one. Planet Without a Home was the second one. You were talking about Alan Stevens before we had the Caldor City hmm. series, and that in itself has moved on to Blake Seven itself. So, if we look at Caldor City, I mean, how much input? You had quite a bit of input with that, really, didn't you? I said, well, my input was saying, yes, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> we'd, we'd worked on... Um, Alan and I met at a convention in Bath. I don't know quite how it came about. He was obsessed with Black Wakes, still is obsessed with Blake Seven, love of Blake Seven. It's I've, a good programme. I've, I've become more of a... I was, more, I was always a passive fan. I was always a passive fan of Doctor Who. I was always a passive fan of, of Blake Seven. It wasn't until Steve Allen showed me that advert of the model Dalek on the back of a winter special... And oh, I realised, right, that's yes. a model, that's not a photograph of it, because it looked too good to be true. I mean, it, it, it was beautiful. I thought, that's not a real Dalek, it can't be, it's too good. And so, <laughs> you know, and thus it was. Somewhere along the line came this idea to do a documentary about Travis, ah. to sort of re-examine the, the, the character of Travis, in particular looking at uh, uh, Brian Crouch's portrayal mm-hmm. of the character. Who he felt had had a raw deal yes. on on the show yes um, and it was quite interesting when we interviewed uh, the various people involved you know David Maloney and uh, Chris Boucher about it and I think it was Chris Boucher who said that one of the difficulties that uh, Brian faced when he started as uh, Travis was working on his first episode with George Spenton Foster who did not like him. There was some history between them, and and, oh. and there had been a falling out or something, and who gave him a really hard time. And here was he coming into somebody uh, else's uh, role, uh, somebody else's yeah. role that had been, you know, already firmly established and well played by Stephen Greif. And here yeah. was he taking over. And Stephen Greif had left because he'd got fed up with um, storylines, which, as as far as his character were concerned, were becoming repetitive. I'll get you, Blake, and then of course it doesn't happen, and he's, <laughs> yes. you know, mm-hmm. left shaking his synthesized fist once more. <laughs> It was ironic that in Brian taking over the part, the the writing for the character became more interesting. And of course, you know, he went out with that sort of tremendous bang at the end of uh, mm. series two. And and as a sort of byproduct of that, that's how come uh, Brian ended up in the Caldor City series with uh, mm-hmm. Trevor Cooper, who um, yes. first got in uh, to do Logic of Empire, which was our second Blake Seven play. But these these were two Blake Seven plays that we'd done in '96, I think. I just moved up to London. All my friends said, "Well, if you're serious about this, if you do want to, you know, get work in the industry, blah blah blah." Instead of mucking about in a photography department in in Wiltshire, you're going to have to move up to London. So I've not got very many qualifications. I've just got a posh accent. And so I, I, I got a job in a wine. I got a job in a wine shop, and in ninety, and, and with the redundancy that I got uh, from my my other job, I, I was able to buy myself a sampler, and a DAT machine, and a hard disk for the sampler. So you know mm. that that got me started. Mm. And in fact, the first 
Blake 7 play that I did, I edited entirely on that sampler. So every single line of dialogue, every single spot effect, every single ambience was sampled, looped, and or triggered from my okay. now Windows sequencer. That must have taken some work. Yeah, and then it was either recorded back onto my DAP machine, and I was so so pleased because I could do it all digitally. Now. <laughs> um, and then I bought myself um, a hard disk which had a gigabyte of space on it. Whole oh, gig. Wow. So you know, uh, then I was able. To, so I was able to record on two tracks the dialogue and effects mix, mm -hmm. and then onto the other track, I could record back in the music that I had done and, and mix it that way. It was, it was quite crude, because the computers that I was using then, or could afford then, yeah. were not powerful enough to uh, run effects in real time. Every effect had to be processed mm -hmm. offline. So if five processes down the line, you suddenly thought, Oh, hang on a minute, that's not right. You'd have to pray that you had enough undoes to go back. Um. Oh, yes. And do it again, you yeah. know. So we did those those two plays. And then, so later on, when I'd started doing the... Well, I, I did the Benny Summerfield play, the first Benny Summerfield play. The, oh, no, it isn't. Oh, no, it isn't. Yes. They did this in the same place that the audiovisual people had used to record their audios in. It was um, a ah, sort right. of youth centre. It was, it was a converted pub, and we were in the basement... <laughs> And it was it was Actors great in that it was it was absolutely dead in there. It was mm -hmm. acoustically dead in there. But eventually, the whole place <laughs> was shut down and demolished <laughs> because of some health and safety reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Too many dead actors. I don't know. Um, so yeah, we recorded. Uh, yeah, we recorded our Blake Seven plays down there. So you got involved with Big Finish and, and started getting some, well, yeah. I was going to say not serious money, but you're starting to get, yeah. you know, proper professional lines on your CV. That's, that, yes, that's right. So I did, I did quite a number of, of the, I didn't do the first, Nick, Nick Ritt, Nick Ritt, Nick wrote, <laughs> what um, he wrote, produced and directed, I think, um, the, the first, uh, Sirens of Time, Sirens of Time. Mm. Yes. That was it. I, which I, my only involvement in that one was later sort of remastering it for uh, another release when I kind of balance the levels and, and stuff like that. No, I did. I did. I did quite a few. Yeah, quite a yeah few. you did. You also, if I remember right now, I had to. This is research I've had to do. You see, <laughs> I do research for these things. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's terrifying because I, I needed to. I, I was doing up a CV once and yeah. I needed. I thought I need to uh, write down all the various Doctor Who credits and whatnot that I've done. And I couldn't remember half of what I've done. And, and in an egotistical moment, I put my name in a search engine. And um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the site, but thank you to whoever it is. I basically <laughs> listed all my credits on a single page. That was great, cut and paste. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the Wikipedia thing recently? Ronnie Hazelhurst. Right. Uh, Ronnie Hazelhurst, the composer, died. Yes. And all these lazy journalists had just gone to Wiki and basically cut and pasted all the information about Ronnie Hazelhurst. Somebody had gone in there and edited the Wikipedia uh, entry <laughs> to say that he'd actually worked with some, some modern pop group on one of their latest hits. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Let's talk about Blake 7. Let's talk about the new audio series of Blake 7, which is um, available from the sci-fi.co.uk website. Yes, or yeah, indeed the Blake from 7 the, yeah. site as well. Oh, there's actually... Oh, sorry, I've been going to the sci-fi channel. Yeah. The sci oh, yeah, channel well, site. They, yes, which I think reroutes you back to the... I don't know how it works. Oh, no, it's, it's the internet. back yeah. to the Blake 7 site. Uh, yes, it does stuff for me. Oh, I'll just leave it to it. That's quite a responsibility, because you've had to rebuild Blake 7 from the ground up sound-wise. It's funny, because... Uh, I don't know how long it's been. Well, it's been on the go for quite a while. Five years now. Someone wow. erroneously said seven. It is, in fact, five years. Um, well, it's coming up to six now, I suppose. Yeah, I remember in 2003 there was an announcement. I've still got the clipping. How sad is that from the Radio <laughs> Times? <laughs> yes, saying it's it's back. We're all very excited about it. Kevin Davis and I were talking about it, and he said, well, why don't you ring them and say that, you know... I was going to ask, does all your Caldor City experience and the fact that you've essentially been working in half Blake 7, half Doctor U universe, mm. did that give you any 
did that help give you any insight, give you an in into the whole thing? Well, I suppose only really in terms of experience in that it was stuff that I'd done, you know. Fair enough. You know, I, I thought, well, I don't know. Who, they, they won't know who I am and so on and so forth. And, I mean, Simon Moorhead, who, who was one of the executive producers, he lives in, in Brighton as well, and Kevin suggested that I should ring him. And I said, no, they won't want me. And then suddenly <laughs> I, um, I, I had an email from Nick, Nick Briggs, mm-hmm. asking me whether I would be interested to meet Andrew Mark Sewell, who is the producer of the new series and is uh, the guy that has got the rights to the series. So we met up with, uh, so Nick was there and Andrew was there and Ben Aronovich was there. He's the lead writer. I'd never yeah. met, I don't think I'd ever met Ben before. And I thought, oh my God, a real writer off the telly and everything. <laughs> you know. I've seen um, him on TV. So basically we, we, we chatted and he, he, uh, Andrew outlined what, what he was aiming to do and so on and so forth. And at that time, what they were planning was a prequel to gotcha. the series. Yeah. When, when Blake was still working as an engineer, I seem to remember a scene Terrible set in a, in, a, in a sewer somewhere, and he was sort of you know, having to fix pipes and so forth. And there were other scenes where a very, very young, a naive Servalan had just joined the force, but because you know, she had powerful relatives, mm-hmm. it was going to become clear that she, her, she was going to be very fast-tracked up. So anyway, that that's where it uh, started, and then it was it, it, it got delayed a number of times for various reasons. Because I mean, you have to cast the thing, yeah. And then once you've cast <laughs> it, you know, trying to get these actors in the same place at the same, same time, time. yeah, can be problematical. I don't know. I was, um, I've, I've been listening to. It. I have to. Admit, I do love what they've done with the cast up to a certain point, mm. to a certain extent, and also with the writing. You can hear, you can almost hear some of the original cast saying the lines. Well, this was the as it were, the problem that they had is because it, it's, it's one of those series that those who know it really, really know it mm. and cannot get uh, those well, I, I was actually iconic thinking, voices out of their head. It's not just that, it's the style of writing. Yeah. It, they've given the same, essentially the same, it's the same character. Mm. So what's actually been written, you can imagine the other char- the other actor saying because it's, it is, it's, it's true to that character as mm. opposed to the mm. actor. What I liked was the fact that, uh, in Villa's case, for example, the character essentially is very, very clever. For example, uh, Spaceful. It's him who, he, he's the one who works out about the illness without giving too much away. Uh, <laughs> 20 years ago. It's, it's very, very <laughs> clever. Uh, the character's a hell of a lot cleverer than the Michael Keating version. Now, the Michael Keating version was cleverer, mm. but mm. hid mm. it so much more. Yeah. And it was only tiny, every, maybe once a series, you'd get something. Mm. I get the feeling Villa's going to be a little bit more. Well, Bob, uh, Bob. Ben uh, <laughs> said at the weekend in a panel, he said uh, Villa's going to get many more, um, although it was, I suppose, in relation to other <laughs> things, he, he said he's going to have many more City on the Edge of Forever moments. Ah, What, where he gets the girl and she dies? I have just quoted the Blake <laughs> 7 episode, not the Star Trek episode. Hang on, <laughs> City on the Edge of uh, City at the End of the World? Oh god! There was a city yeah. involved somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the um, yeah, the, the Star Trek thing. I don't know which one of us is the Trekkie round here. Real key, <laughs> real key. Yes, look at Crumbly. Everyone look at Crumbly. City on the, on the edge of forever. That's, that's the Harlan Nelson. That's right? the Harlan Nelson thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's City at the end of the world. Oh, okay. Which is sort of the edge of forever, really. Well, forever the longer. Yeah. Yes. But, um, yes, we, we know where you're coming from. Yeah. Are they going to beef up any of the other characters? Jen? Ganna? Jen or Ganna? Jen or Ganna. Jen or Ganna. Jen or Ganna. That's a good name. I don't mean any disrespect to Sally Nevette, but my sort of mental image of the new Jenna, played by Carrie Dobro, who is just brilliant. I've got a sort of mental image of... The old Carrie, the, sorry, the old Jenna would be standing by the teleport when they come up from a planet doing the ironing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With a serious but, face, mate. Yeah. And um, how was your day? And the new <laughs> Jenna would be underneath the console swearing at it, you know, you know when, it, when, it, when it didn't work, gotcha. you know, in, in sort of dirty yeah. overalls or whatever. But, uh, yeah, mm. she's, she's a really, really... Um, Go-getter. Yeah. And you can really Carry believe on. that she's been sort of flying spaceships from the age of nine. Gan? Uh, Gan, again, well, his his backstory hasn't been, I don't think, as as thoroughly explored. 
mm-hmm. so far. We know we heard that he, what's it, in one of the first episodes. You hear that he's he's killed a police policeman. Yes, which is why and he was conspiracy on conspiracy to theft. And there's a bit of a backstory because he in 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 our version, um, I say our as if it you know as if I'm responsible for it, as it were. But the, in in this version of the um, the the thing that Villa and Gan have a past. They've known each other before they were caught and oh. put on board the prison ship because I think. The, the, they do seem quite close in that first mm, couple of apps, mm. yeah. And it's a shame, but for, for some timing reasons, we, we had to sort of cut some of their sort of comic back chat uh, in the second episode. But okay. It, 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 yeah, I, that's a sort of relationship I want to see develop because they, they are almost like this, Gan is almost like the um, sort of more responsible older brother yeah. To Villa's sort of wilder excesses, you know. <laughs> Villa wilder excesses. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, so it would be interesting seeing how that goes. And Callie will also reappear. Ah, she she is due to reappear. Will oh. there be a final climatic shootout? And when I... are we going to hear a Tarrant? I, well, there, any I, Tarrant? I, I can't <laughs> Just there, right? I, No, no, I'm, I'm not privy, at least not initially, into you know the sort of story plans and what. All, all I know at the moment is that uh, Jim. Is working on the um, the next mm. episode. James Swallow is working on the next one. He's he's I think got as far as the second draft, oh, and I'm very I'm excited. For, I'm, I'm looking forward he's to. Told me some of the plot lines and and whatnot. And a friend of mine who I I, I who who uh, oh I don't know. I shouldn't give too much away for those that haven't yet heard it. Uh, but, I'm trying um, to think. When's this? This is going to be released in about three weeks' time. So yeah, and then uh, Mark. Platt is is writing the second episode, and then Ben is we writing the We do like the, the Mark last. Platt stuff. Mm, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, listening to spare parts just blows me away every time, oh. the uh, <laughs> Cyberman one. So, Alistair, thank you. And we're, um, we're going to put links up to all this. That You say that they're released on CD as well. You don't just have to listen to them online. No. Uh, so there's CD releases. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the CDs are out at the moment. Um, they're available individually. Uh, they're available as a box set, which um, makes it slightly cheaper. Um, and <laughs> the third episode has uh, comes as a double uh, CD. Yep. Um, the second disc has all sorts of sort of extras on it, mm. like there's the video documentary of the. Yeah, it's actually put faces faces today. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a blooper reel what I put together. Um, <laughs> oh, they'll love you for that. There's, uh, <laughs> there's other stuff, wallpaper, and there's a, there's a tribute band that uh, does a song on there. There's a band that Andrew likes. Is, uh, not, as, not, 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 not as odd song. as you sound. Not as, odd, not as odd as you sound. Not as odd as it sounds. What about the old Human League Tom Baker song? The <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, the Human League did a song called Tom Baker. Ooh, it's bad. I'm sure. <laughs> the thing about the documentary is, is how do you make an audio? Uh, how do you make a video documentary about an audio series? Mm. You know. Mm. So, what we've done, we don't know whether it's a sort of first, as it were, but what what you see are the actors performing their scenes in the studio, and because yeah. um, Kevin was in there, sort of filming first of all a rehearsal, and then a take, and then maybe another take. Uh, what he would do is sort of spin round and do alternate angles, so he could then cut together a couple of the scenes. Oh, right, so right. what you see are, are some of the scenes cut together, but what you're hearing is the fully finished Play. sound. What yeah. I have done is I have taken the takes that were recorded uh, by the studio, uh, extracted those takes, and matched them against the mm-hmm. video what kevin originally started doing when he when he uh, edited the video was to try and edit the video to fit my finished product but of course i'm using different takes i'm mm-hmm. i'm changing the pacing i'm doing all sorts of of stuff mm-hmm. and so on and i said no you just you just do it the way you want to cut it and i will match your audio afterwards and it seemed sort of crazy but it was actually the the more logical and easier way of going about it so Still tricky yeah yes thank you thank you very much thank you yeah. thank you, no, thank you. letters 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 yeah. we have letters we have um um well first of all um unfortunately we haven't got enough to go around 
So perhaps, um, Adam, have you got the letter there from George that Alistair could read out, possibly? Because yeah. I'm sure George will have sent us a letter, unless there's another one from his mother excusing him from sending us a letter. I don't think so. You think it's from the real thing? I think it's from the real thing. Where, where's the postmark from McFadden Publishing? There's a slight smell of disinfectant about it as well. Uh, oh, oh. I must say I've been very better. impressed by you this week. Oh, this sir. particular recording. We have a special guest, and you haven't been tasteless once, that I can tell. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. I do something about that. Oh, uh, are you <laughs> feeling okay? <laughs> That's worrying, though. It, it is. It's threatening me. Uh, uh, threatening to fall on you. <laughs> right, well, um, if you'd care to pass this letter to young Mr. Locke... If you could read George's handwriting... Okay, dokey. Dear team, you've all done very well. Yours, George... McFadden. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. You, you read that superbly. Yeah, that, that, that's, um, George is our boss. He runs everything um, in our heads. <laughs> not, I was going to, I was going to, you've all done very well. well. I thought, no. Oh, I don't Luke. know. He's like Charlie from Charlie's Angels. I, I like to think of him as our very own <laughs> young Mr. Grace. You've all done very well. <laughs> John Forsyth lives. <laughs> Actually, he still does, doesn't he? Oh, I don't know. You've got a real letter for us, haven't you? I do have a real letter. What does it say? And it's been letter. printed up in big font, so I can mm, see it. Big font. <laughs> oh, so you get big font, our guest doesn't. <laughs> well, our guest was meant to bring his reading glasses. <laughs> he bought the case. <laughs> well. <laughs> Some people aren't satisfied. No, no, no. Okay, this one says, Dear team. Hello. I do indeed listen to your podcast, Mad and fool. I can confirm as a man of no taste Can't and or dignity <laughs> that I do like confirm. your podcast very much. I am, of course, shocked and appalled by something or other, oh. and hope you take the time to rectify this in the near future. Yours lovingly, Paul. I think that's who cast Paul. All I can say is down with this sort of thing. Well, sir, Careful now. There should be a demonstration. Y- yes, I know. If he's outraged, then well, I, I totally agree. That's yep. something yeah. rather. That's dreadful. Uh, yeah, it's this terrible. Time. Yep. Um, you're still wanting us to review your um, uh, podcast, aren't you, Paul? <laughs> we will, okay? Because um, <laughs> we see him on Saturday. Well, yes. Well, this is the Saturday just gone, which we probably got thrown out of the theatre. <laughs> Forcibly ejected. Yes. Yes. Um, do, I, 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 I actually don't have a letter of my own. No. Nobody loves me. Oh. Nobody cares. Well. But do you have anything there from Keith? From our esteemed colleague Keith. Steaming. Colleague steaming. Keith. Steaming. Yes. I have a piece of seaweed with a Brighton postmark. Oh. Amazing. It got here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a bit dried out there. <laughs> well, it's got to be read verbatim and with the lisp. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It begins. You yeah. bastards. You send me off to Brighton to the Doctor Who exhibition to meet Chris Ecclestone. <laughs> However, all I got was Chris Eubank and his lorry. I now find myself enrolled in this school of elocution. There, on the plus side, I have passed the final examination with flying colours. Pugilistic in yours, Keith. <laughs> oh, oh dear, dear God. Having fun down there, if you ask me. <laughs> mm, Chris Eubank. Mm. Mm. Um, How right. Is that letter? <laughs> another letter. We do? Mm. Yes, I, I'm not sure if it's come to the right place. Right. Is it demanding money? No, no, this one isn't. No, oh, I, I shredded that one. <laughs> Is it a threatening letter? It's not a threatening letter. I shredded that one as well. Right. It says, Dear Gloria, yeah? thank you for the parcel. The bath salts were lovely and really <laughs> helped with my corns. Please send more nutmeg because the cat ate the last ounce before I could add it to the apple pie. Love and kisses, Agnes. P.S. That David Tennant, you wouldn't kick him out of bed, would you? <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Must be related to Mrs. Trellis. Must be. That's uncanny. What's David Tennant doing in the bed? I don't Mm. know. Not being kicked out, obviously. Obviously. Well, no. Well, that's roughly... Was that a misdirected misdirected letter? I think it must have been. I'm not sure where it was going Can I read a misdirected text that I had? Yes. By all means, yes. It says, Hiya, it's Nick. Ran out of credit. I'm okay. Getting nervous now, but still looking forward to it. Kiss. I thought... You know, you think, what? what? <laughs> What's he le- nervous about that he's looking forward to? <laughs> well, that's roughly about it. Be- you're touching the microphone again, aren't you? I'm going to cut oh. your hands off. I'll electrify next time. Mm. <laughs> Please do. Yes, learn from Patrick Troughton. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. If he can kill people, so can I. <laughs> we're we're again. a suit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we need to give a very big thank you to our special guest, Alistair. Hey. Hey. Thank you very much indeed for um, coming along and talking to us. We apologise and um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to be responsible. Um, <laughs> next Enjoy. podcast will have stuff in it and stuff. possibly things. Maybe a few of them. Yes. Mm. So until then, doodles. Bye. See ya. And this is me signing off. Git. I know. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, series one, number eight, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, Fake Keith, Tony Galachon, and featuring Alistair Locke. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this podcast is a McFadden Publishing production for www.staggeringstories.net, with thanks to Paul for the Levelator. <laughs>